I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Johnson wanted to leave the verdant world, but Brent was bound he'd have a look around. He did, and found a reason to stay. Unluckily. Strange Eden by Philip K. Dick. That's next on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast. With at least one lost vintage sci-fi short story in every episode. This is episode 100 of the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast, which probably means more to us than it does to you. It's a significant milestone We are just getting started. Another five-star review on Apple Podcasts, written by GoldfishGirl69. My favorite bedtime listen. My happy place is listening to these expertly narrated sci-fi stories every night before bed. They are so soothing and relaxing. I love the feeling of being transported to another world. So grateful for each and every episode. Thank you. Heart emoji. I had to throw that in there. Well, Goldfish Girl 69, thank you. My happy place is reading excellent reviews from people like you and, of course, narrating these vintage sci-fi stories. Even if you listen to us on YouTube or another podcast player, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Your five-star ratings and excellent reviews encourage others to check us out. Thanks in advance, should you choose to leave us a review. If you listen on Spotify, please give us a five-star rating if you think you deserve it. So far, we have 68 five-star ratings on Spotify. Thank you. We decided to feature a Philip K. Dick story for our 100th episode, because we began the podcast with PKD's The Hanging Stranger almost 19 months ago. We'll kick off our next 100 episodes with a double shot of Philip K. Dick in three days. 
Our story can be found in the December 1954 issue of Imagination Stories of Science and Fantasy. Brent only wanted to look around the planet. The trouble was, he looked too far. Turn to page 66 for Strange Eden by Philip K. Dick. Captain Johnson was the first man out of the ship. He scanned the planet's great rolling forests, its miles of green that made your eyes ache. The sky overhead that was pure blue. Off beyond the trees lapped the edges of an ocean, about the same color as the sky, except for a bubbling surface of incredibly bright seaweed that darkened the blue almost to purple. He had only four feet to go from the control board to the automatic hatch, and from there down the ramp to the soft black soil dug up by the jet blast and strewn everywhere, still steaming. He shaded his eyes against the golden sun, and then, after a moment, removed his glasses and polished them on his sleeve. He was a small man, thin and sallow-faced. He blinked nervously without his glasses, and quickly fitted them back in place. He took a deep breath of the warm air, held it in his lungs, let it roll through his system, then reluctantly let it escape. Not bad, Brent rumbled from the open hatch. If this place were closer to Terra, there'd be empty beer cans and plastic plates strewn around. The trees would be gone. There'd be old jet motors in the water. The beaches would stink to high heaven. Terran development would have a couple of million plastic houses set up everywhere. Brent grunted indifferently. He jumped down, a huge barrel-chested man, sleeves rolled up, arms dark and hairy. What's that over there? Some kind of trail? Captain Johnson uneasily got out a star chart and studied it. No ship ever reported this area before us. According to this chart, the whole system's uninhabited. Brent laughed. Ever occur to you there might already be culture here? Non-Terran? Captain Johnson fingered his gun. He had never used it. This was the first time he had been assigned to an exploring survey outside the patrolled area of the galaxy. Maybe we ought to take off. Actually, we don't have to map this place. We've mapped the three bigger planets, and this one isn't really required. Brent strode across the damp ground toward the trail. He squatted down and ran his hands over the broken grass. Something comes along here. There's a rut worn in the soil. He gave a startled exclamation. Footprints. People. Looks like some kind of animal. Large, maybe a big cat. Brent straightened up, his heavy face thoughtful. Maybe we could get ourselves some fresh game. And if not, maybe a little sport. Captain Johnson fluttered nervously. How do we know what sort of defenses these animals have? Let's play it safe and stay in the ship. We can make the survey by air. The usual processes ought to be enough for a little place like this. I hate to stick around here. He shivered. It gives me the creeps. The creeps? Brent yawned and stretched, then started along the trail toward the rolling miles of green forest. I like it. A regular national park, complete with wildlife. You stay in the ship. I'll have a little fun. 
Brent moved cautiously through the dark woods, one hand on his gun. He was an old-time surveyor. He had wandered around plenty of remote places in his time, enough to know what he was doing. He halted from time to time, examining the trail and feeling the soil. The large prints continued and were joined by others. A whole group of animals had come along this way, several species, all large, probably flocking to a water source, a stream or pool of some kind. He climbed a rise, then abruptly crouched. Ahead of him an animal was curled up on a flat stone, eyes shut, obviously sleeping. Brent moved around in a wide circle, carefully keeping his face to the animal. It was a cat, all right, but not the kind of cat he had ever seen before. Something like a lion, but larger, as large as a Terran rhino, long tawny fur, great pads, a tail like a twisted square rope. A few flies crawled over its flanks, muscles rippled, and the flies darted off. Its mouth was slightly open. He could see gleaming white fangs that sparkled moistly in the sun. A vast pink tongue. It breathed heavily, slowly, snoring in its slumber. Brent toyed with his R pistol. As a sportsman, he couldn't shoot it sleeping. He'd have to chuck a rock at it and wake it up. But as a man looking at a beast twice his weight, he was tempted to blast his heart out and lug the remains back to the ship. The head would look fine. The whole damn pelt would look fine. He could make up a nice story to go along with it, the thing dropping on him from a branch, or maybe springing out of a thicket, roaring and snarling. He knelt down, rested his right elbow on his right knee, clasped the butt of his pistol with his left hand, closed one eye, and carefully aimed. He took a deep breath, steadied the gun, and released the safety catch. As he began squeezing the trigger, two more of the great cats sauntered past him along the trail, nosed briefly at their sleeping relation, and continued on into the brush. Feeling foolish, Brent lowered his gun. The two beasts had paid no attention to him. One had glanced his way slightly, but neither had paused or taken any notice. He got unsteadily to his feet, cold sweat breaking out on his forehead. Good God! If they had wanted, they could have torn him apart, crouching there with his back turned. He'd have to be more careful, not stop and stay in one place, keep moving or go back to the ship. No, he wouldn't go back to the ship. He still needed something to show Pipsqueak Johnson. The little captain was probably sitting nervously at the controls, wondering what had happened to him. Brent pushed carefully through the shrubs and regained the trail on the far side of the sleeping cat. He'd explore some more, find something worth bringing back, maybe camp the night in a sheltered spot. He had a pack of hard rations, and in an emergency, he could raise Johnson with his throat transmitter. He came out on a flat meadow. Flowers grew everywhere, yellow and red and violet blossoms. He strode rapidly through them, the planet was virgin, still in its primitive stage. No humans had come here, as Johnson said. In a while, there'd be plastic plates and beer cans and rotting debris. Maybe he could take out a lease, form a corporation and claim the whole damn thing. 
then slowly subdivide only to the best people. Promise them no commercialization, only the most exclusive homes. A garden retreat for wealthy Terrans who had plenty of leisure. Fishing and hunting, all the game they wanted, completely tame too, unfamiliar with humans. His scheme pleased him. As he came out of the meadow and plunged into dense trees, he considered how he'd raise the initial investment. He might have to cut others in on it. Get somebody with plenty of loot to back him. They'd need good promotion and advertising. Really push the thing good. Untouched planets were getting scarce. This might well be the last. If he missed this, it might be a long time before he had another chance to... His thoughts died. His scheme collapsed. Dull resentment choked him, and he came to an abrupt halt. Ahead, the trail broadened. The trees were farther apart. Bright sunlight shifted down into the silent darkness of the ferns and bushes and flowers. On a little rise was a building, a stone house with steps, a front porch, solid white walls like marble. A garden grew around it, windows, a path, smaller buildings in the back, all neat and pretty and extremely modern-looking. A small fountain sprinkled blue water into a basin. A few birds moved around the gravel paths, pecking and scratching. The planet was inhabited. Brent approached warily. A wisp of gray smoke trailed out of the stone chimney. Behind the house were chicken pens, a cow-like thing dozing in the shade by his water trough, other animals, some dog-like, and a group that might have been sheep, a regular little farm, but not like any farm he had seen. The buildings were of marble, or what looked like marble and the animals were penned in by some kind of a force field. Everything was clean. In one corner, a disposal tube sucked exhausted water and refuse into a half-buried tank. He came to steps leading up to a back porch and, after a moment of thought, climbed them. He wasn't especially frightened. There was a serenity about the place, an orderly calm. It was hard to imagine any harm coming from it. He reached the door, hesitated, and then began looking for a knob. There wasn't any knob. At his touch, the door swung open. Feeling foolish, Brent entered. He found himself in a luxurious hall. Recessed lights flickered on at the pressure of his boots on the thick carpets. Long, glowing drapes hid the windows. Massive furniture. He peered into a room. Strange machines and objects, pictures on the walls, statues in the corners. He turned a corner and emerged into a large foyer, and still no one. A huge animal, as large as a pony, moved out of a doorway, sniffed at him curiously, licked his wrist, and wandered off. He watched it go, heart in his mouth, tame. All the animals were tame. What kind of people had built this place? Panic stabbed at him. Maybe not people. Maybe some other race. Something alien from beyond the galaxy. Maybe this was the frontier of an alien empire. Some kind of advanced station. 
While he was thinking about it, wondering if he should try to get out, run back to the ship, vid the cruiser station at Orion 9, there was a faint rustle behind him. He turned quickly, hand on his gun. Who? He gasped and froze. A girl stood there, face calm, eyes large and dark, a cloudy black. She was tall, almost as tall as he, a little under six feet. Cascades of black hair spilled down her shoulders, down to her waist. She wore a glistening robe of some oddly metallic material. Countless facets glittered and sparkled and reflected the overhead lights. Her lips were deep red and full. Her arms were folded beneath her breasts. They stirred faintly as she breathed. Beside her stood the pony-like animal that had nosed him and gone on. Welcome, Mr. Brent, the girl said. She smiled at him. He caught a flash of her tiny white teeth. Her voice was gentle and lilting, remarkably pure. Abruptly, she turned. Her robe fluttered behind her as she passed through the doorway and into the room beyond. Come along. I've been expecting you. Brent entered cautiously. A man stood at the end of the long table, watching him with obvious dislike. He was huge, over six feet, broad shoulders and arms that rippled as he buttoned his cloak and moved toward the door. The table was covered with dishes and bowls of food. Robot servants were clearing away the things silently. Obviously, the girl and man had been eating. This is my brother, the girl said, indicating the dark-faced giant. He bowed slightly to Brent, exchanged a few words with the girl in an unfamiliar liquid tongue, and then abruptly departed. His footsteps died down the hall. I'm sorry, Brent muttered. I didn't mean to bust in here and break up anything. Don't worry, he was going. Actually, we don't get along very well. The girl drew the drapes aside to reveal a wide window overlooking the forest. You can watch him go. His ship is parked out there. See it? It took a moment for Brent to make out the ship. It blended into the scenery perfectly. Only when it abruptly shot upward at a ninety-degree angle did he realize it had been there all the time. He had walked within yards of it. He's quite a person, the girl said, letting the drapes fall back in place. Are you hungry? Here, sit down and eat with me, now that Edie's is gone and I'm all alone. Brent sat down cautiously. The food looked good. The dishes were some kind of semi-transparent metal. A robot set places in front of him. Knives, forks, spoons, then waited to be instructed. The girl gave it orders in her strange liquid tongue. It promptly served Brent and retired. He and the girl were alone. Brent began to eat greedily. The food was delicious. He tore the wings from a chicken-like fowl and gnawed at it expertly. He gulped down a tumbler of dark red wine, wiped his mouth on his sleeve, and attacked a bowl of ripe fruit. Vegetables, spiced meats, seafood, warm bread. He gobbled down everything with pleasure. The girl ate a few dainty bites. She watched him curiously, until finally he was finished and had pushed his empty dishes away. Where's your captain? she asked. Didn't he come? 
Johnson? He's back at the ship. Brent belched noisily. How come you speak Terran? It's such a natural language. Then how did you know there's somebody with me? The girl laughed. A tinkling musical peal. She wiped her slim hands on a napkin and drank from a dark red glass. We watched you on the scanner. We were curious. This is the first time one of your ships has penetrated this far. We wondered what your intentions were. You didn't learn Terran by watching our ship on a scanner. No, I learned your language from people of your race. That was a long time ago. I've spoken your language as long as I can remember. Brent was baffled. But you said our ship was the first to come here. The girl laughed. True, but we've often visited your little world. We know all about it. It's a stopover point when we travel in that direction. I've been there many times, not for a while, but in the old days when I traveled more. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A strange chill settled over Brent. Who are your people? Where are you from? I don't know where we're from originally, the girl answered. Our civilization is all over the universe by now. It probably started from one place back in legendary times. By now, it's practically everywhere. Why haven't we run into your people before? The girl smiled and continued eating. Didn't you hear what I said? You have met us, often. We've even brought Terrans here. I remember one time very clearly, a few thousand years ago. How long are your years? Brent demanded. We don't have years. The girl's dark eyes bored into him, luminous with amusement. I mean Terran years. It took a minute for the full impact to hit him. Thousand years, he murmured. You've been alive a thousand years? Eleven thousand, the girl answered simply. She nodded, and a robot cleared away the dishes. She leaned back in her chair, yawned, stretched like a small, lithe cat, then abruptly sprang to her feet. Come on, we finished eating. I'll show you my house. Brent scrambled up and hurried after her. His confidence shattered. You're immortal, aren't you? He moved between her and the door, breathing rapidly, heavy face flushed. You don't age. Age? No, of course not. Brent managed to find words. You're gods. The girl smiled up at him, 
dark eyes flashing merrily. Not really. You have just about everything we have. Almost as much knowledge, science, culture. Eventually, you'll catch up with us. We're an old race. Millions of years ago, our scientists succeeded in slowing down the processes of decay. Since then, we've ceased to die. Then your race stays constant. None die, none are born. The girl pushed past him, through the doorway and down the hall. Oh, people are born all the time. Our race grows and expands. She halted at a doorway. We haven't given up any of our pleasures. She eyed Brent thoughtfully, his shoulders, arms, his dark hair, heavy face. We're about like you, except that we're eternal. You'll probably solve that, too, sometime. You've moved among us? Brent demanded. He was beginning to understand. Then all those old religions and myths were true. Gods, miracles. You've had contact with us, given us things, done things for us. He followed her wonderingly into the room. Yes, I suppose we've done things for you. As we pass through, the girl moved about the room, letting down massive drapes. Soft darkness fell over the couches and bookcases and statues. Do you play chess? Chess? It's our national game. We introduced it to some of your Brahmin ancestors. Disappointment showed on her sharp little face. You don't play? Too bad. What do you do? What about your companion? He looked as if his intellectual capacity was greater than yours. Does he play chess? Maybe you ought to go back and get him. I don't think so, Brent said. He moved toward her. As far as I know, he doesn't do anything. He reached out and caught her by the arm. The girl pulled away, astonished. Brent gathered her up in his big arms and drew her tight against him. I don't think we need him, he said. He kissed her on the mouth. Her red lips were warm and sweet. She gasped and fought wildly. He could feel her slim body struggling against him. A cloud of fragrant scent billowed from her dark hair. She tore at him with her sharp nails, breasts heaving violently. He let go and she slid away, wary and bright-eyed, breathing quickly, body tense, drawing her luminous robe about her. I could kill you, she whispered. She touched her jeweled belt. You don't understand, do you? Brent came forward. You probably can, but I bet you won't. She backed away from him. Don't be a fool. Her red lips twisted, and a smile flickered briefly. You're brave, but not very smart. Still, that's not such a bad combination in a man, stupid and brave. Agilely, she avoided his grasp and slipped out of his reach. You're in good physical shape, too. How do you manage it aboard that little ship? Quarterly fitness courses, Brent answered. He moved between her and the door. You must get pretty damn bored here all by yourself. After the first few thousand years, it must get trying. I find things to do, she said. Don't come any closer to me. As much as I admire your daring, it's only fair to warn you that... Brent grabbed her. She fought wildly. 
He pinned her hands together behind her back with one paw, arched her body taut, and kissed her half-parted lips. She sank her tiny white teeth into him. He grunted and jerked away. She was laughing, black eyes dancing as she struggled. Her breath came rapidly, cheeks flushed, half-covered breasts quivering, body twisting like a trapped animal. He caught her around the waist and grabbed her up in his arms. A wave of force hit him. He dropped her. She landed easily on her feet and danced back. Brent was doubled up, face gray with agony. Cold sweat stood out on his neck and hands. He sank down on a couch and closed his eyes. Muscles knotted, body writhing with pain. Sorry, the girl said. She moved around the room, ignoring him. It's your own fault. I told you to be careful. Maybe you better get out of here, back to your little ship. I don't want anything to happen to you. It's against our policy to kill Terrans. What was that? Nothing much. A form of repulsion, I suppose. This belt was constructed on one of our industrial planets. It protects me, but I don't know the operational principle. Brent managed to get to his feet. You're pretty tough for a little girl. A little girl? I'm pretty old for a little girl. I was old before you were born. I was old before your people had rocket ships. I was old before you knew how to weave clothing and write your thoughts down with symbols. I've watched your race advance and fall back into barbarism and advance again. Endless nations and empires. I was alive when the Egyptians first began spreading out into Asia Minor. I saw the city builders of the Tigris Valley begin putting up their brick houses. I saw the Assyrian war chariots roll out to fight. I and my friends visited Greece and Rome and Minas and Lydia, and the great kingdoms of the red-skinned Indians. We were gods to the ancients, saints to the Christians. We come and go. As your people advanced, we came less often. We have other way stations. Yours isn't the only stopover point. Brent was silent. Color was beginning to come back to his face. The girl had thrown herself down on one of the soft couches. She leaned back against a pillow and gazed up at him calmly, one arm outstretched, the other across her lap. Her long legs were tucked under her, tiny feet pressed together. She looked like a small, contented kitten resting after a game. It was hard for him to believe what she had told him, but his body still ached. He had felt a minute portion of her power field, and it had almost killed him. That was something to think about. Well, the girl asked presently, what are you going to do? It's getting late. I think you ought to go back to your ship. Your captain will be wondering what happened to you. Brent moved over to the window and drew aside the heavy drapes. The sun had set. Darkness was settling over the forests outside. Stars had already begun to come out, tiny dots of white in the thickening violet. A distant line of hills jutted up, black and ominous. I can contact him, Brent said. He tapped at his neck. In case of emergency, tell him I'm all right. Are you all right? You shouldn't be here. You think you know what you're doing. You think you can handle me. 
She raised herself up slightly and tossed her black hair back over her shoulders. I can see what's going on in your mind. I am so much like a girl you had an affair with. A young brunette you used to wrap around your finger and boast about to your companions. Brent flushed. You're a telepath. You should have told me. A partial telepath. All I need. Toss me your cigarettes. We don't have such things. Brent fumbled in his pocket, got his pack out, and tossed it to her. She lit up and inhaled gratefully. A cloud of gray smoke drifted around her. It mixed with the darkening shadows of the room. The corners dissolved into gloom. She became an indistinct shape, curled up on the couch, the glowing cigarette between her dark red lips. I'm not afraid, Brent said. No, you're not. You're not a coward. If you were as smart as you are brave, but then I guess you wouldn't be brave. I admire your bravery, stupid as it is. Man has a lot of courage. Even though it's based on ignorance, it's impressive. After a moment, she said, Come over here and sit with me. What do I have to be worried about? Brent asked after a while. If you don't turn on that damn bell, I'll be all right. In the darkness, the girl stirred. There's more than that. She sat up a little, arranged her hair, pulled a pillow behind her head. You see, we're of totally different races. My race is millions of years advanced over yours. Contact with us, close contact, is lethal. Not to us, of course. To you. You can't be with me and remain a human being. What do you mean? You'll undergo changes, evolutionary changes. There's pull which we exert. We're fully charged. Close contact with us will exert influence on the cells of your body. Those animals outside, they've evolved slightly. They're no longer wild beasts. They're able to understand simple commands and follow basic routines. As yet, they have no language. With such low animals, it's a long process, and my contact with them hasn't really been close. But with you, I see. We're not supposed to let humans near us. Edie's cleared out of here. I'm too lazy to go. I don't especially care. I'm not mature and responsible, I suppose. She smiled slightly. And my kind of close contact is a little closer than most. Brent could barely make out her slim form in the darkness. She lay back against the pillows, lips parted, arms folded beneath her breasts, head tilted back. She was lovely. The most beautiful woman he had ever seen. After a moment, he leaned toward her. This time, she didn't move away. He kissed her gently. Then he put his arms around her slender body and drew her tight against him. Her robe rustled. Her soft hair brushed against him, warm and fragrant. It's worth it, he said. You're sure? You can't turn back once it's begun. Do you understand? You won't be human anymore. You'll have evolved. 
along lines your race will take millions of years from now. You'll be an outcast, a forerunner of things to come, without companions. I'll stay. He caressed her cheek, her hair, her neck. He could feel the blood pulsing beneath the downy skin, a rapid pounding in the hollow of her throat. She was breathing rapidly. Her breasts rose and fell against him. If you'll let me. Yes, she murmured. I'll let you, if it's what you really want. But don't blame me. A half-sad, half-mischievous smile flitted across her sharp features. Her dark eyes sparkled. Promise you won't blame me? It's happened before. I hate people to reproach me. I always say never again, no matter what. Has it happened before? The girl laughed softly and close to his ear. She kissed him warmly and hugged him hard against her. In eleven thousand years, she whispered, it's happened quite often. Captain Johnson had a bad night. He tried to raise Brent on the emergency comm, but there was no response. Only faint static and a distant echo of a vid program from Orion 10. Jazz music and sugary commercials. The sounds of civilization reminded him that they had to keep moving. Twenty-four hours was all the time allotted to this planet, smallest of its system. Damn, he muttered. He fixed a pot of coffee and checked his wristwatch. Then he got out of the ship and wandered around in the early morning sunlight. The sun was beginning to come up. The air turned from dark violet to gray. It was cold as hell. He shivered and stamped his feet and watched some small bird-like things fly down to peck around the bushes. He was just beginning to think of notifying Orion 11 when he saw her. She walked quickly toward the ship. Tall and slim in a heavy fur jacket, her arms buried in the deep pelt. Johnson stood, rooted to the spot, dumbfounded. He was too astonished even to touch his gun. His mouth fell open as the girl halted a little way off, tossed her dark hair back, blew a cloud of silvery breath at him, and then said, I'm sorry you had a bad night. It's my fault. I should have sent him right back. Captain Johnson's mouth opened and shut. Who are you? he managed finally. Fear seized him. Where's Brent? What happened? He'll be along. She turned back toward the forest and made a sign. I think you'd better leave now. He wants to stay here, and that is best. For he's changed. He'll be happy in my forest with the other men. It's strange how all you humans come out exactly alike. Your race is moving along an unusual path. It might be worth our while to study you sometime. It must have something to do with your low aesthetic plateau. You seem to have an innate vulgarity, which eventually will dominate you. From out of the woods came a strange shape. For a moment, Captain Johnson thought his eyes were playing tricks on him. He blinked, squinted, then grunted in disbelief. Here? On this remote planet? But there was no mistake. 
It was definitely an immense cat-like beast that came slowly and miserably out of the woods after the girl. The girl moved away, then halted to wave to the beast, who whined wretchedly around the ship. Johnson stared at the animal and felt a sudden fear. Instinctively, he knew that Brent was not coming back to the ship. Something had happened on this strange planet. That girl. Johnson slammed the airlock shut and hurried to the control panel. He had to get back to the nearest base and make a report. This called for an elaborate investigation. As the rockets blasted, Johnson glanced through the viewplate. He saw the animal shaking a huge paw futilely in the air after the departing ship. Johnson shuddered. That was too much like a man's angry gesture. Next week on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast, a special Two for Tuesday, a double shot of Philip K. Dick, a brave new world, was it the long way home for these men? And a hideous nightmare seemed the culture of Williamson's world to men who knew nothing of beauty. Survey Team and Souvenir by Philip K. Dick. That's next week on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast with at least one lost vintage sci-fi short story in every episode.